0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September sixteenth, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Free trade isn't just about trade across borders, it's about trade within borders. And countries that liberalize trade must also liberalize their internal economies to reap the full benefits. So says Razin Sally, the director of the European Center for International Political Economy and author of the new Cato book, New Frontiers in Free Trade. He argues that the rising Asian role in global trade shouldn't be allowed to foment an inward-looking defeatist attitude in the United States. The United States became a great global power in the 20th century. Relatively speaking, it will not be as great a power in the 21st century. Describe what that means in terms of trade.
1: I think there's a relative issue here and an absolute issue. Uh, well let let's start with uh, the the absolute issue. Uh, yes, inevitably, the United States is going to have a declining share of overall trade and investment in the world, particularly with the rise of key emerging powers, China at the head of the list. But uh, in absolute terms, the US economy, is much more penetrated by the global economy than it ever was, and that is set to continue. So uh, on the ground for producers and consumers across the United States, the world economy is going to matter ever more, uh, with its benefits but also with all its challenges, including having to adapt. Um, On the relative issue, I think... um, the the challenge is to uh, recreate enlightened U.S. leadership of the system. Now, that is going to be a bigger challenge than before. Uh, Farid Zakaria talks about that in his post-American world. I think it's the wrong label because the world is still very far from being post-American. But the challenge for the United States as the leader of the system is to, from the center as it were, try and manage all these relationships and accommodate the rise of other powers uh, while at the same time containing those inward-looking protectionist forces at home. That's going to be a very difficult double act.
0: You know, historically, are there precedents for the potential for the United States to actually turn inward? Of course. uh, The last historical
1: precedent uh, is
0: Great Britain. Great Britain was the leader
1: of the system in the second half of the 19th century, not for all that long compared with the Pax Americana, but uh, especially uh, after the Second World, of the First World War, Britain turned inwards while it was relatively declining, uh, and there was no substitute leadership from the United States or elsewhere, and that contributed to the breakdown of the system. And, of course, what we saw at the end of the pipeline was uh, was international war. Now, we are very far from those circumstances at the moment, thankfully. Uh, but I think there's always the danger of uh, retreating inwards, particularly on the part of the major power for whom there is no uh, medium or even long-term substitute um, and that'll be bad uh, both for the United States and for the wider wider system. The good news, the silver lining, is that the United States, compared with Britain 100 years ago, is that much more enmeshed in the world economy in very practical terms uh, so that the costs of actually breaking from the system are that much greater and hopefully that much more visible than they were with Britain a century ago.
0: You talk about globalization as an environment in which some countries take advantage uh, to point out that there are no countries that are left behind by globalization. But when you have these massive institutions that are charged with, in some sense, managing trade, like the World Trade Organization— there is an appearance, and it's sort of a tough sell to make that case that there are not countries that are uh, marginalized through the process of these, you know, very uh, these very large-scale decisions that are made by a central authority.
1: Well, the way I look at your question is really to think of globalization bottom up in the first instance, rather than top down. Uh, Having international institutions uh, was expedient after 1945. That includes the GATT, now the WTO. It does have a function. I don't believe the, GATT, the WTO should be, should be abolished. But it's important to realize that the WTO and the IMF and the World Bank and other international institutions are very much a second or third line of global economic activity and the policy that surrounds it. What's most important is is what happens at home within countries and whether countries actually take advantage of the potential of globalization out there or don't. Now, one historical continuity is that globalization remains skewed. So there are, shall we say, about a billion people in about 60 countries that are essentially non-globalized. Uh, and the challenge is to create the domestic circumstances and institutions to allow them to plug into globalization. Now, an organization like the WTO, inevitably unwieldy, uh, is not going to fix that problem for them. At best, it can help to provide some kind of enabling environment to allow governments and peoples in the countries concerned to take, uh, to take advantage of what's out there. The problem at the moment is that the WTO is stuck and in a mess and above all doesn't provide the right kind of supporting framework of rules uh, to allow uh, those bottom-up conditions to, uh, to, to happen. The reforms that matter, in order to extract maximum benefit from globalization and spread it as widely as possible at home, are not going to be driven by the WTO, by any other international institution, or even by a free trade agreement. Uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to, it's got to happen within the countries concerned. That's where I think the key impulse lies. Now the challenge in China and India and other key emerging markets is to get out of the rut of stalled reforms. So they have been going slow, they have been slowing down, that includes China today. Uh, There has even been a marginal reversal in the direction of industrial policy interventions and more restrictions on foreign investment. The impulse to actually accelerate reforms in the right direction has got to come from, from within. Uh, India provides a more acute example than China because the Indian reforms to date have not benefited that wide a basket of people as has been the case in China because they haven't tackled the key areas like labor markets, uh, like restrictions on internal trade, like reducing corruption and red tape, simplifying all sorts of business procedures at home. Now, this is about international trade as well. It's not going to be done in the WTO Internationalism-like charity, as a German economist once said, uh, starts at home. That's where it's got to happen. The WTO, uh, the United States, in its various relationships, bilateral, regional, multilateral, can help to provide an enabling environment, but one shouldn't rely too much on uh, these drivers from outside.
0: Razine Sally is author of the new Cato book, New Frontiers in Free Trade. You can order your copy at Cato.org.